yeah, I don't want anyone to take away the male gaze from me. That's the fuck why I started doing that shit in the first place. It was like mm. literally if I were a male, um, when I found my grandfather's Playboy magazines, I was practicing male gaze, right, as a female mm-hmm. in that moment. Because I was, like, drooling over these women. I was so excited to see that that was a thing that existed, that women could do this. And I was, like, loved looking at their bodies. I thought they were just mm. gorgeous, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, but I think that, the first of all, don't take away my male gaze. I want mm. that. So stop it. That's why in the video, <laughs> my, my reaction video was, like, I like being gazed at. But, mm-hmm. but when I'm at the gas station... I don't want to be gazed at at the gas station or in the grocery store. So there's a time and a place to be gazed at. Hey there, this is Pussy Empowered Podcast, and I'm your host, Alyssa Aparicio. I'm equal parts Bronx bitch and mountain witch. I believe that when you untame your pussy, you access your power. As a pussy empowerment coach, I teach women how to do this with a holistic approach that incorporates mind, body, emotion, and spirit. As a sacred erotic creatrix, I surrender to new heights of embodied, expressed art, and performance myself. On this podcast, I share about my approach to pussy power and interview fellow paradigm-shifting badasses about theirs. What you're about to hear is part of a conversation series on demystifying stripping and decolonizing sexual empowerment. Today's guest is the queen of sexy, aka Anne-Marie Davies, a stripper and activist who continually uses her platform and privilege to gather, organize, and have the conversations that need to be had around destigmatizing sex work and beyond. AMD is the host of Yes, a Stripper podcast, coordinator of Strippers United, also formerly known as Soldiers of Pole, and co-founder of Everybody Visible. In this episode, we talk about how, the se- how sex workers are vital in the conversation around consent, boundaries, and shamelessness about stripping, loving the male gaze, and yes, all that is fucked up about the movie Strip Down, Rise Up. Listen in. Hello. Hi. I was looking for the right filter because... I've been in bed all day, not mm. not wearing makeup or anything. So mm. filters that are sounds luxurious. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad that you're taking that rest for yourself. Yes, I don't do that often. So mm. thank you, thank you for having well, me here. Thank you for being here. Really, I'm so mm. so honored to get to have this conversation with you. Um, just to share for everybody joining in, this is the first day of a conversation series called Demystifying Stripping and Decolonizing Sexual Empowerment. And I'm so um, grateful to have the Queen of Sexy here, Anne-Marie Davies, who is, um, can you introduce yourself and tell us about what, I mean, like, well, she's the Queen of Sexy. So that's saying a lot, like, if you don't know her already, she is an activist and stripper and so much more, or an organizer of, deeper conversations and, and destigmatization. Yes, give it up for Emery. So if there, do you want to share, um, if you want to introduce yourself and kind of share about, you know, anything that I missed about who you are and what you stand for that you want to just say in your own words? 
Yeah, sure. Um, who I am and what I stand for. Well, what I stand for is the dismantling of this, um, the entire structure that uh, we live under, um, you know, this, this extremely uh, racist structure, the, the, the structure of theft, you know, we're all uh, living and operating on stolen land. Um, you know, who I am becoming is someone really dedicated to uh, raising awareness. And unfortunately, you know, I will admit, I haven't looked up exactly what tribes stolen land I'm on. It's something that is, um, something that I'm preparing to do, especially because I'm, I'm moving soon. And so I, I plan on doing it for that location as well. And so I at least want to acknowledge that, that I'm on stolen land. And that's a process that I'm going through, like really understanding the history of how and who was stolen by and like, you know, what happened on this land. And so, um, I've, you know, and so I, I was noticing like right before we were doing this, I was like, Oh, it's, it's interesting that I'm talking with you about decolonizing because my ancestors are colonizers. And so, um, I'm honored to be thought of to have this conversation. So I also want to acknowledge that. Mm. Yeah, thank you for for acknowledging that and sharing your deep commitment. And it's, you know, just thinking of you in this context is that you have used your platform to really speak to bigger issues and to organize, to be an organizer and to be someone who is not afraid to have these conversations. Right. And for that is like a really, um, you know, and before, like myself personally, before coming out about stripping, I had been watching you be so courageous and having these deeper conversations and, um, you know, being willing to sell, call yourself into the conversation mm-hmm. and, um, and to just be honest about where you're at and process vulnerably in front of everyone. So I really admire that about you. And I just appreciate that you are willing to have those harder conversations and you're willing Mm -hmm. to have this one with me today and that you have been using your platform to, to speak to privilege, to speak Mm -hmm. to, um, to speak to what's going on here. And you do have like a a voice that people listen to because you are so radiant and you are so, (laughs) you know, magnetizing. So that is really, that's really, you know, I want to honor that and, and, and start there and, and to share that, you know, we, began we've been you know like on in each other's periphery um I've been watching you and admiring you a lot and um something that brought us into conversation recently was um this documentary that has recently come out strip down rise up which I'm kind of tired of talking about at this point um but it's it's like it's been a really important you know I'm like well what's next okay we honor we understand that this is not it like this is not the whole picture but there's a bigger conversation that has brought to the surface that now we are having like now the news is paying attention at this particular moment uh you know I was just interviewed in BuzzFeed there's been conversations and you shared a video you shared a video about, um, you know, like the digesting that experience of watching this film. So I just want to start there. Um, do you, yeah. would you like to summarize maybe your main disappointment or frustrations oh, with yes. the film? I know it's hard to just summarize, but it's so interesting. It is hard to summarize because it was, it was problematic. Like every single problematic checkbox that exists 
would have been checked off in that movie. I mean, homophobia, uh, fat phobia, uh, tokenism, um, whore phobia, gaslighting, like all the things that we see and we've learned over the last several years, you know, I think a lot for me personally, when 2016 happened and, um, you know, we had that new president come into town. That's when I was like, oh, I'm committed to like learning and doing better. And so I feel like a lot of us went through that process from 2016 till now. And every person who had a hand in making that movie had not gone through that process. Like (laughs) they didn't learn anything. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was watching a movie that was made in 2015 or 2016. Um, And I'm talking about not necessarily the women's stories because those stories are very real. And I actually felt most connected to the women in the classes specifically um, because I, I felt for them and what they were going through. And I mostly felt for them and what they were going through because what was happening to them was so hurtful Like, and I don't even know if they knew what, I mean, if they weren't hurt, if they walked away feeling not hurt, more power to them, but it perpetuates this message that if I'm like them, then I should be going through this or I should be handling it this way or or I should go to a class like that. And it's like, actually, no, there, what I saw was even more damage that would potentially happen uh, after that class, like a couple years down the road, because they're being taught by this very charismatic person who they believe is like this amazing leader. And it's really hard to wake up to that years later and be like, Oh, I was being brainwashed because that is what is happening at S factor in this movie, in those types of retreats or programs. Um, it was incredibly problematic and very upsetting to watch already vulnerable and traumatized people be gaslit to the extreme that they were being gaslit. I mean, it's like in one moment she was saying, love your body. And then in the next moment she was like, well, sit like this because now you're more feminine. And, Mm -hmm. and at the same time she's saying, fuck the patriarchy, but do this to your husband to make a point. It's like, oh my God, I, I couldn't understand what the message was other than mm. gaslighting. It was like a remake of the original. Mm. It, was, it was their own spin of the mm. remake of the movie, Gaslight. Mm. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. No. It's where the term gaslighting comes from. It comes from this oh, movie. Oh, really? Wow, I yes. never realized that. Right. I never realized that. Yeah, it's a man. There's this man, and he, like, marries this woman. And I'm going to give you, like, a brief version of it. And he, he, like, leaves the house to go to work every day, but he doesn't. He goes out a different door and back into the house, into a different part of the house. And he's making noises in the house. And she's like, darling, there's someone in the house when you're gone. There's someone here. And he's like, you're crazy. Don't let... Don't mm. do you need more pills again. You're crazy. No one's here. <laughs> like wow. Yeah. So that's wow. like the short gist of the movie. Yeah. Well, that is really interesting. I never knew the origins of gaslight. Thank you, gaslighting, and thank you for sharing like your perspective on this movie. 
what was really hard for me, like I, I was, I was uh, part of the filming of the class that was featured mm-hmm. in the documentary for context. But at the time, I really wasn't in a community of other strippers necessarily. I was a stripper at the time, but I wasn't having, I wasn't, I didn't have a supportive community around, like, I wasn't having that deeper conversation. I was kind of just like a a lone wolf, I felt like, in that Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And then I was in this other space, um, which felt appropriating, but I didn't have the language at the time. It wasn't like, um, it was confusing. (laughs) Yeah. It was confusing. And it felt like um, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel in alignment. I didn't feel good about the experience or about being there, mostly because we never addressed any, like we didn't have any context. That was one thing, right? The the context Mm. was completely not there of like the history or anything deeper than the surface. And then also um, the fact that we were centering the patriarchy in strange ways that I would never think to do in an empowerment setting. Um, And uh, actually, Emery, do you mind taking a step away from the camera? Because we can just see your mouth. There you go. Yeah, just so. Let me put it here. Okay, cool. Internal. I just want to make sure you know. All right, sweet. That looks great. That looks great. Okay. So, um, so yeah. And, um, then when I finally got up the courage, uh, you know, once the trailer came out to just speak about the experience, I realized like a lot of people are resonating with it. Actually, a lot of people started DMing me and sharing their experiences. And I was like, holy shit. It was so illuminating to realize that I was doubting my experience. Right. (laughs) That I was gaslight. I don't know if it's, if you can gaslight yourself. Oh yes. Um, yes. <laughs> but I was gaslighting myself, and mm-hmm. um, and then getting to have conversation with people like you who are experienced and just being in this conversation, mm-hmm. who are having this conversation, who've been using your voice, who've been out and navigating the space of being out about being a stripper. Yeah. That I was like, wow. Okay, there's so much more to this story that. Um, that that's like this is just the tip of the iceberg essentially yeah (sighs) Yeah. so I want to talk about the larger context because it's been something that you've been speaking to for a long time like why is it like help I mean why is it so important that we're having this conversation about this like we we can see that the stripper world versus the pole fitness world is at odds a lot like the the overarching experience is that they're at odds um why like fill us in on why that's so problematic I mean I know that like I've spoken about this too but I want to hear also like because you've been an activist you've been sharing you've been organizing soldiers of pole you've been sharing with everybody visible like from your perspective um why is that such a problem why is it a problem that there's a divide yeah, in your own um, words, because people are tired of hearing me say it. <laughs> say yeah, what I, I mean. You know. Why, why even is there a divide? I, I mean, why? I mean, it's the thing is, is what we're dealing with with the divide between strippers and pole dancers is what we experience just in in society in general as humans. I mean, we we tend to want to be in these categories or we want to put people in categories so that we can understand things better, I guess. 
Um, and so, I mean, why is there a divide between people of different skin color? I don't have any idea. I mean, I understand that throughout history, um, you know, we have been conditioned to, to think of people differently, but I don't, I don't get it. Like we're all have bones and flesh and we're just trying to live our lives. And so the divide is bad because any division between human beings that are just doing what they love is, is not good. I mean, the more we stick together, the higher collective consciousness we can have together and live in a, in a more harmonious world, but that's just not the reality. And so divisions that are so obvious like this one are uh, just sort of an example of how humans just love to be divided because if they didn't, then we wouldn't be. And we are all the time, all over Mm -hmm. the world, we're divided. And um, I think that, that, you know, finding ways to eliminate division comes stems from educating our youth from a, you know, from an age where, you know, we educate them to love all of our siblings and, and treat each other the same, no matter what. And, and unfortunately we don't do that. There's a lot of teachings that, you know, parents pass on to their children, like don't trust these types of people. Don't do this types of stuff. It's bad to do this. It's bad to do that. And then, and then people form their own ideas of why they should separate themselves from other factions of society based on sort of what I believe to be misinformation. I mean, strippers and sex workers are some of the most incredible people on earth. But if you ask an everyday average person on the street, hey, what do you think about strippers or uh, women who or people who sell uh, sex for money? Like I, an average person is going to, will most likely comment very negatively. And that's because it's learned behavior, it's conditioned behavior. So if we just teach differently, we would have a different outcome. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about, you know, I've been in some of the spaces, the, the most recent one about internet oppression and how it targets sex workers and strippers. I mean, well, sex strippers are sex workers, but... Mm-hmm. It targets sex workers and, um, you know, what, why, like something that I've heard you talk about and these conversations have been about is why strippers are, have been like an easy, like scapegoat almost for, or the first people to experience, Mm. you know, um, like I forgot the wording that was used, but when when these when these bigger issues have been happening on the internet around um you know fosta sesta and the um internet oppression of really women well not just women but uh, a, a lot of it has been centered on female sexuality um uh, but also on people of color and expressing sexuality different body types expressing sexuality um can we talk about that for a moment? Yeah. And yeah, like what the bigger context here of the, the danger of pushing sex workers under the bus? <laughs> well, I mean, sex workers are uh, very in tune with what's happening in our environment because we have to be, because sex workers are often the group that's targeted first in a lot of situations in society, you know, we're the lowest 
of the low and then what happens out in society is, is real life on the internet. Um, so sex workers are extremely vital in recognizing patterns of abuse um, because, you know, we've seen it so much. And so to give you an example, like, you know, it's been said that sex workers, adult sex workers told Pornhub, hey, there is child sex abuse materials on this site and you should really take that down. And Pornhub was like, and then a year later, they lost their merchants, MasterCard and Visa. And it was sex workers who first pointed it out. And it's, and I, about a month ago or so, with another group of sex workers that, you know, this woman made a post on Instagram. It was like, hey, all hands on deck. We need to descend on this account that's exploiting an 11-year-old female um, sexually. And there's a ton of pedophiles commenting on it. And we need to do something about it. And so it took hundreds of us to descend on this account because just a few reports wouldn't take it down. And, and there was like pedophiles commenting on this child calling her sexy. It was very disturbing. And it took hundreds of us to report it, to take it down. I sell that to say like sex workers are looked at the problem. Meanwhile, sex workers are the ones that are like, Hey, this is good sex and good touch. And this is bad sex and bad touch. And like, if more people listen to sex workers or, or people who are familiar with uh, sexual behavior, then we could have a better sexual education system, maybe find ways to reduce rape and maybe find ways to reduce pedophilia through sex mm -hmm. education. But, and so we're all out here like teaching people about sex like every day, just from doing the work that we're doing. Like, mm -hmm. I can't even tell you the amount of men I've had to school in my inbox, you know? And I've like, I help specifically white men because they need the most help and they're the most dangerous to our society. I spend a lot of time nurturing white men in my DMs and teaching mm -hmm. them, hey, this is my body, not yours. And like, it's just, and they're like, oh, right. <sighs> if we just let sex workers have the mic, um, particularly um, black and trans sex workers who are the most vulnerable and who have so much insight about how to be sensitive and how to be caring and how to be thoughtful, they, and they're the most silenced. Um, mm. and it, what I've seen, my perspective is that the most, like the most silenced people are, are probably the ones that have the most to say and the most that mm. we should be listening to, you know, I personally am very sick and tired of, uh, the white dominant voice, which is why when I saw the title of the talk today, I was like, you sure you want to talk mm. to me, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I really want, I really want to see. Um, a lot more black and trans sex workers up front if they want, if that's what they want, um, you know, having an opportunity uh, to step into their power and like to just be, be revered and praised in the way that they should be. And like, and all of us as a collective, I would love if there was just so much more respect because what we have to give to the world is priceless. I think it could really change a lot of things if people listen to us more. Mm. <sighs> absolutely and that is like so much of what's glaringly obvious when we look at this film that we started talking about 
the difference, the contrast between the lived experience of having done this work and understanding boundaries, understanding mm-hmm. trauma, understanding understanding in real time how to create a safe space for your sexuality because it's something that's part of your everyday life and your profession versus coming at it from a place of uh, how do you even describe it not it's not just privilege but it's you know um just total like like, you know, Columbus discovered America. Like, I landed here. Here's the pole. This is what sexuality is about. Even though I've never had to be in a space where that was something that was an important part of my conversation before. Right. You know, or like in, in my lived experience before. Um, speaking as if I were Sheila Kelly or as anyone, the S-Factor movement, uh, like, <laughs> that I can't speak on behalf of, right? But that is yeah. the, the, like, context that we see when we look at this. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like, if we can talk about the actual lived experience of stripping and what that was or is like for you and, um, and to take that one step further, what the process of being out and open speaking about that has been like for you? Speaking about stripping, what's that been like? Yeah, like, uh, you know, I'm I'm assuming, I don't know if there was a time that there was, that you might have not been open about that or have been keeping that under wraps or were you always open about that? Mm-hmm. Only for the first six months that I was doing mm. it when I was 21, did I keep it mm. a secret? And then I was like, I can't live a lie. It's too hard. So I have a really big family on both sides. I have my, both of my grandparents had seven children. So I have a lot of aunts and uncles and where, you know, I see them a lot I just talked to three of my uncles today on the phone like very connected to my family so Mm. um, it would have been really hard to tell a lie and also I think at the time I was like so proud because Mm. I had wanted to be a sex worker and a stripper since I was like 15 and so like when I finally made it I was like guess what I'm a stripper and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, yes. how I told uh, my family at like my grandmother's 80th birthday party. Wow. And I was like, that is, is badass. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, um, actually it might've been before that, but yeah, it was at some sort of like big family outdoor event thing. And I was just walking around telling all of them. Um, so I feel really comfortable about it. I feel really good about talking about it. And I, I totally understand that that is a privileged place that, that other people's families, uh, there's just not as much acceptance. And, you know, I, I just am very lucky that, mm. um, I mean, they weren't like patting me on the back or anything, but they weren't trying to talk me out of it. They tried to tell, talk to my mom to talk me out of it. <laughs> My mom's mm-hmm. like, that's never going to work. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel really grateful and, and very privileged that I'm able to speak out about it out loud. And I'm, um, I also feel like I'm in service of those that can't speak out loud. Um, mm. So, yeah, I want to do as much as I can for the community since I am in a place that I can do that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, so that is, um, I mean, that is such, I think it's a responsible way to go about, you know, this conversation and like to to acknowledge myself that I am also, I also came to stripping from a place of privilege. Like, um, you know, having lighter skin as a woman of color with lighter skin and coming from a family that is more is more or less supportive, even though most of them don't know Phil or like a good, but by now they might because um, yeah. <laughs> of this last couple of weeks. But um, it is a place of privilege to decide to come out and feel confident that you're going to be in the end safe about that, right? Right. Um, and so, from your perspective, like. Well, first, I'm curious, was there a time where you felt that you had to do inner work around the shame or was that in real time that you were deconstructing that or did you just feel like this is entirely empowering? Um, Yeah, so I I needed to get out of the nude clubs to get my head right. The nude clubs in L.A. were going through a transformation during the time that I entered and I watched that transformation happen and there were some traumatizing things that happened. So once I got out of the LA scene, cause I've stripped in West Palm beach and sorry, I'm actually plug this in. Um, when, when I got out of that scene, I was really able to like focus on myself and how I was feeling and that's when I went to work on my whore phobia and like not even on purpose, it just started happening started happening Mm -hmm. you know my my boyfriend at the time had said something to me about being proud of where I came from no matter what happened like because where I came from was a place of learning and that really clicked with me in that moment and um that's when I really started to question my horophobia and the shame that I carried and the, the shame that I you know the shaming that I would place on others at the time you know those were my that's where I failed during those times but I learned from that failure. And my favorite thing about those failures is being able to like say it out loud to other people because everyone's like, you've got it all together. You know what you're doing. I'm like, actually I fuck up all the time and here's how. And because Mm -hmm. I, I want people to feel like it's okay to, to be incorrect and to learn a new way. Um, And that we all, that, that is just a natural part of life, you know? So yeah. And Mm -hmm. then I would say in the last, three years the horophobia is just fully dissipated like fully dissipated whatever was lingering it's completely gone now mm-hmm. feels so good and so is my mm-hmm. arachnophobia as well wow <laughs> i can i can relate to the arachnophobia and yeah and the horophobia like there is you know there was a part in the beginning of my stripping journey where i thought like I still didn't, I was like, oh, stripping is considered sex work. Like, how do I feel about the word sex work? And, you know, that called me into a deeper look at, at the remaining horophobia that I was experiencing. Um, right. And, you know, clearly, like, it's a layered experience of, um, you know, it's a layered experience of, 
understanding <laughs> how it's playing mm-hmm. out in real time, like in your life, in the greater context of in your day, but then how that's impacting others as you move through the world, continuing to uphold shame in general, like shame itself is the, is what we're trying to get the roots like out of the earth, like out of the, of the context. There's a lot of work to do in a Puritan society that is, you know, a colonizing Puritan society. Yeah. Um, but it's fucking uh, such a shame to me that, I mean, like I focus on pussy, pussy empowerment, right? It's such a, st- a shame to me that like sexuality is one of our most powerful elements of ourselves, most like pleasurable, expansive, cosmic portals that we have access to on the physical plane. And to be so cut off from that, to continue and to, to, to put that weight of um, like to close that door so hard on the people who are most in contact with that part of themselves. Like there is so much that can be learned. Like you said, there's so much that we can learn from, from sex workers and putting their, their voices, like giving them more um, like choosing how we interact with the people who have the platforms already versus like getting to, um, to support the people who are doing, who are, who have been in that lived experience before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, I think that maybe we can talk about, you know, like, again, what was, what was empowering for you in this space or what is empowering for you in this space of getting to be in that place where sexuality can be the forefront or like can be such an involved part of your experience. So what was empowering about that? Um, Gosh, I, I don't know. It's really hard to put into words. I, I think that just like having complete autonomy over my own body and like really feeling confident of boundaries, like learning boundaries, being a stripper was really, that was really empowering because, uh, in a situation today, if something weird happens to me, you know, from a man, from a male doing assaulty, harassy type things, which is fairly common. Um, I know how to conduct myself because I've had so much practice figuring out what's okay and what's not okay for me. And, you know, everyone's different. So that's why I want to make sure that everyone understands I'm speaking about my personal experiences. Um, And then I think another empowering aspect is like really knowing when you're, when you're seeing and hearing bullshit, that's really empowering. When you talk to so many people for a long period of time, I mean, think about, think about, I've worked in clubs for an average of 20 years, Mm -hmm. uh, for like almost 20 years. I worked an average of three nights a week. Um, and so I would be meeting on average, depending on what club I'm at about 80 to hundred people a night or in the room with them. And then I would actually talk mm. to about at least, at least 20 new people a night. 
for three nights mm-hmm. a week for close to 20 years. So the amount of practice <laughs> that strippers get talking to people is insane. And so when someone's like bullshitting me, I'm like, no, no, no. You can just see through it, you know, to the point where some of my friends send me stuff and they're like, why does this bother me? What is, what's he saying? And I'm like, oh, he's saying this and he's saying this and he's saying this. Because you just have so much experience listening to people and knowing when they're being authentic and when they're not, you know, Um, that's Mm -hmm. really empowering as well. Being able to like cut through the bullshit and like, um, and what I've learned from that, just so you know, so everyone knows is to ask more questions when I feel like I'm being bullshitted, I start to ask questions so that they kind of find themselves in their own shit, basically that they can't get out of, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? When did that happen? Like get them to start saying details about bullshit. And then before you know it, they like start to retract statements. It's really fun and funny. It can Mm. be entertaining. Yeah. (laughs) Your bullshit radar is on fleek. That is a huge asset. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So like when we apply that, that bullshit radar, to talk about something okay let's talk about the male gaze um (laughs) because the I don't think the male gaze is not inherently bad Mm -mm. and also it's not inherently uh in the toxic masculine world that we're in it's definitely has taken Okay, I see you shaking your head. So you're I'm not. Kind, I'm kind of going like this. I'm kind of like I'm thinking as you're speaking, and you're doing great, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah. good to hear. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean is that, like, okay, when we take, when speaking of bullshit, when we look at um, the ways in which the male gaze is centered in "Strip Down, Rise Up," um, it would never necessarily be centered in that way in an actual strip club. And, and the way that they frame it is that the way that it's centered in the classroom is empowering and the way that it's centered in the club is disempowering. However, there's a lot of layers there. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of layers there. Like what is the initial kind of reaction that you have had to I that? Was, yeah, I don't want anyone to take away the male gaze from me. And that's the fuck why started doing that shit in the first place it was like Mm. literally if I were a male um when I found my grandfather's playboy magazines I was practicing male gaze right as a female Mm -hmm. in that moment because I was like drooling over these women I was so excited to see that that was a thing that existed that women could do this and I was like loved looking at their bodies I thought they were just Mm. gorgeous you know and so Mm -hmm. um but I think that the first of all don't take away my male gaze I want that Mm. so stop it that's why in the video (laughs) my my reaction video was like I like being gazed at but Mm -hmm. but when I'm at the gas station I don't want to be gazed at at the gas station or in the grocery store so there's a time and a place to be gazed at. Um, and just like there's a time and a place to do mushrooms, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, 
go to your college classroom high on mushrooms. It's not a great idea, you know? So right. you would do it at a party with your friends. Um, and so I really see it as like, we're just kind of demonizing this thing where it could be, it is appropriate in the appropriate places. And mm. while being used in a healthy manner, it's not okay to be, you know, practice male gaze in the strip club. And then when you're not, when the gaze that you're giving isn't reciprocated on to then act out, that is inappropriate. So you can mm-hmm. have your male gaze, but use it respectively, you know? And mm. again, I think that this boils down to sex education because you could teach young men or young people, let's say, let's say young people, how to respectively and healthily gaze at another beautiful human being that you're attracted Mm -hmm. to. What do you do when it's not reciprocated? Um, When is the right time? Here's how you ask questions to make sure you're being respectful of the person that you're gazing at, you know? So yeah, I just, I think it's how we use it and how we teach Mm -hmm. our young people to, to use it because it happens automatically because we all just want to fuck each other all the time like we all just want to have sex like, that's yeah. how we got here yeah <laughs> it is a natural part of human existence and life in general um and yeah I think what you said is interesting there's like about container and, and context yeah and and understanding that you really do have the right to set boundaries in whatever whatever space that you're in um that if you want to step into that place where you want to be seen and you want to flaunt your sexuality, like fucking do that, you know, like, and we shouldn't put those women, uh, we shouldn't, um, villainize those, those individuals, whoever it is that right. wants that. We shouldn't demonize the attention wanting, um, yeah. cause it's natural, but mm-hmm. also, um, you know, I do think like there are certain contexts in which, Especially when we're talking about, um, oops, my headphones died. When we're talking about healing, yeah. 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 There you go. When we're talking about still on. You can hear me. Can you turn your Bluetooth off? Is it still on on your phone? Because it's like. Off, and I think maybe. There you go. Turn my fan off. Oh, well, let me like let me shoot this back to you before I do the end shift. But okay. um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Now the the context of you know I think there's a time and a place for a safe space where you can have maybe just uh, like maybe you don't want to have the male gaze so you can heal relationship with yourself first because it feels muddled, right? Yeah. But then in the classroom setting, like an S factor where they were like doing both in a strange way where the lines weren't clear. Um, I think is that kind of where the BS radar started going off? (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I didn't know what message I was getting. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know if like, and, and I was concerned for the, for the people in the class mostly because I actually could see very clearly what was happening, but because I spend so much time with my community members having conversations and I've 
unlearned horror phobia, you know, like I've figured, I've learned a lot of new things. And, and these people in this class don't have those types of conversations. This is their first time being really exposed to like this, this lifestyle. And um, it was probably really hard for them to see that they were getting mixed messages and the mixed messages were so confusing. It was like, love your body, but lose 14 pounds a month though. Right. Like, what is that? How, it, first of all, it's really unhealthy. Don't lose 14 pounds a month to anyone. It's really unhealthy. And there's no need to lose that much weight that fast. You're beautiful the way you are. And I, I thought like that particular conversation around her weight was so insensitive and something that they did to her husband. I don't know if that's me clicking or you. To her husband, they were like, oh, how do you feel about her weight to the husband? And he was like, right. shrugged his shoulders. He goes, I guess health is a concern. But like, that's all he said. And he wasn't like, oh, yeah, I, I wish she would lose weight. It was like they wanted him to say that. Mm -hmm. And that's why they were asking him. And he handled it really well. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, there was a lot of fat shaming, but also, like, so much. Love your body. Bitch, you are tripping. I don't know what message you're trying to get. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I felt the whole time. Like, what yeah. are you saying? Yeah. Yes. It was muffled. Um... It was a yeah. model message, sure. Um, and am I still crackling here too? You sound better now all of a sudden. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sounds good. But yeah, it was it was definitely muddled, and I'm 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 glad, and I think you know the message that I got, and and people reaching out in different formats is that they had some feeling that something was off, but didn't understand or couldn't put their finger on it. Right. And so they, they heard it. other people speaking about it in there right. um, from these perspectives. Okay. And that's why I think it's important to just even have diverse voices when we're talking about like empowerment in general, when we talk about sexual empowerment or any other topic, like having diverse voices that can point out the things that are off <laughs> Or fill in the gaps in the conversation where other people really just don't have the lived experience or awareness, their blind spots. Like having a diverse conversation in sexual empowerment is, is you know, is what we're talking about here. It's like, it's right. important, it's valuable, and it is, it will help get a fuller picture, a more thorough look at really what is where the roots of the shame really are. Yeah, where is the roots of the shame? I think it's um, religion and the media. Mm. And I think that because we women are the, we're the highest consumers of shit makeup, clothes, hair products, like there's more things to sell to women and they, and they really do push it on us in a very heavy way. And they gaslight us in such a way. They're like, Hey, wear all this makeup, lose all this weight, do this to your hair, buy these cute clothes, do all these things. 
But if you say you're pretty, then you're conceited. And if you look too pretty, then what do you think is going to happen to you? And it's like, wait, but you just sold me all these products to look mm. like this. And so it comes down to religion, commercialism, and capitalism as a way to control the um, majoritively female bodies. Um, that's where I think it comes from. It's, it's white men wanting to have power over not only the, obviously the entire population, because that is their end goal, right? Collectively, from the beginning of the time, the white man's end goal is to have power over everything. And so, um, you know, they, they're the ones that have created all of the narratives that we operate under. Um, and we have continued to fall for it. And then one day when the veil is lifted from eyes, it can never be put back. And then you're just like me. I'm like constantly irritated all the time because I can, the veil has been lifted. And the mm -hmm. shame stems from them wanting as more control over us and them wanting more money. So all, all this shit is about money. Mm -hmm. Greed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I think shame stems from. Yeah, absolutely. sorry, sorry, white guys. I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, I need to apologize to them. They should be doing the apologizing here. That's true, um, but there are <laughs> good ones out there. But the majority of you, you suck. Sorry. Yeah. Um, facts, but um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Um, that. You know, I think you're. I think you're totally right, and I think that um, that's another element of. You know, you can't blame an individual. You can't blame. You can't blame us for wanting to capitalize on what you are already capitalizing on, and I think a lot of people shame uh, strippers and sex workers for that element specifically. And when I see in this movie and things like it that that dynamics like i can't bring it up but the dynamic of where you if you're paying for the experience then it's okay yeah. and that is the you know the privilege in it like if you're paying for it and opting into this in a way that doesn't come with all the other kind of um all the other emotional work or um all the other context then that's okay but if you are actually being the one capitalizing on the experience and taking it into your own hands. I mean, the patriarchy is capitalizing on our bodies anyway. So why wouldn't we take the wheel? Why wouldn't we, you know, I mean, the, the obvious, like, obviously it would be better if patriarchy just ended and we had a whole new way of operating, but that's not the reality right now. And so when we blame um, individuals for cashing out on that system. It's just not the whole picture. Like it's not acknowledging that right. this is the reality that is currently here. Right. Well, my theory is they don't want us to do that because then they can't control us anymore. And us having our own power is terrifying to them. Absolutely. It terrifies yeah. them. Oh, she's doing what she wants with her body and making money off of it. Blasphemy. Like smite her. Smite them, you know? It's like, how right. dare you make money off of your own body without permission or 
a cut going to us. How dare you? I mean, look at like what they did to Britney Spears. You know what I mean? Like they 100% took her, used her, used her up through, tossed her aside. And, and that's okay. But me stripping in a strip club on my own time and my own terms is not. The backwardsness of that blows my mind. Yeah. <sighs> Free free Britney and also yes. all the people who don't have like as big of a platform who are just being used and tossed aside all the time. Yeah. Um and yeah, seriously. But I mean I feel like we could talk about this forever, but we've mm-hmm. covered a lot of ground. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering like, is there anything else that you're feeling like um that you want to speak to or or anything that you're promoting or any way that we can support you as you continue to um what am I, I you have promoting? yes a stripper podcast which is i do funny. have yes a stripper podcast which is um some fun and exciting developments are coming for that so just keep an eye out um i don't want to talk about it yet publicly uh, the Yes a Stripper podcast comes out every Wednesday um, on Spotify, all the places you listen to podcasts, and on YouTube because I like to show our faces. Um, and uh, Soldiers of Pole just did a name change. We're now called Strippers United, and we're about to post a video uh, explaining a little bit more on our Instagram, and it's going to be a process so you'll start to see more strippers united and um we're we're slowly rebranding so there's that Mm -hmm. um yeah and i'm i'm kind of like slowing down for a minute which is unusual for me um so yeah people might notice that that i'm not yelling as much and i'm not posting as much Mm -hmm. um because i need a break Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah, taking mm-hmm. time to recenter and nourish yourself yes. and take care of yourself is so 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 important. Yes, I'm thank just you. Happy to hear that you're doing that and making this yeah. space for your for yourself to rest and recover and rejuvenate. Yeah, thank um, you. And I'm really grateful for the way that you are so generous with your platform and so aware at calling yourself into a deeper conversations mm. and for taking the time to have this conversation with me yeah. um, and to be supportive, to be supportive as in the last couple of weeks, things have been just like, <laughs> I know, uh, roller coastery. So yeah, I'm grateful that you were there to, to talk through it with me of a little course. bit and that we got to have this, we had this time together. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you so much for right. having me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah. This will stay on my page if you want to watch it from the beginning, if you missed anything, and um, will likely be um, used for or included in Pussy Empowered podcast, which is my podcast that we cool. talk about pussy power and and all things that relate to that. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Bye, everyone. Bye.
isn't AMD a badass? Make sure you follow her on Instagram at the queen of sexy and listen into her podcast at yes, a stripper podcast, which is also on Instagram under the same name. If you want to receive ongoing support on your journey of pussy empowerment, I'd be honored to share my weekly newsletter with you. It's chock full of inspiration, invitations to my monthly dance parties, and tangible takeaways. Head to the link in the show notes to sign yourself up and let's take this relationship to the next level. See you next time. And did you know I have an ongoing membership program called Pussy Empowered the Movement? Every month we hone in on a pussy empowered theme and dive deep within in a community of badasses who are committed to shifting the paradigm. It's a global experience that happens virtually weekly. If you're interested, go to the show notes as well and find me there.